Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Do you know that you sleep differently depending on the phase of the moon? That, when there is a full moon outside, you do not sleep as well or as deeply as during other times of the monthly cycle? No, I'm not making this up. I read about this in a report from a couple of scientists reporting their findings in a magazine called Current Biology, a well-received scientific journal. The scientists are located at the University of Basel in Switzerland. Apparently, these men had previously completed hours of detailed research on sleep patterns for another project. Only a few years before, they met together at a social gathering. And whilst at that gathering, something provoked a discussion about the belief that we humans are affected by the moon. From centuries ago, people have held to various beliefs that humans were impacted by the moon in different ways. This belief actually resulted in some new ideas and a few new concepts and even the development of new words to describe these phenomena. Words like moonstruck, lunatic, evolved to try and describe what was believed to be happening to certain people because of the effects of the moon on them. At one point in our history, people even believed that certain tragic conditions affected a few individuals and they would actually turn into werewolves during the nights when there was a full moon. Well, we don't believe in werewolves anymore, do we? But this and other scientists that I have mentioned insist that there is something to be believed in the idea that the moon causes an effect on human beings. They decided that they would go back to their lab, look at the data that they had already collected for that other experiment, one that tracked people's sleep habits and how long and how well they slept over a period of time. Then they collated and compared that assembled data with the dates of the various phases of the moon during the periods of investigation, and they discovered that there did seem to be a connection. The EKGs that were collected during the original study revealed that there was a pattern of less sleep during the dates when there was a full moon. Generally, during full moons, people involved in the sleep studies that they did admitted to not having slept soundly. They also admitted to having slept for shorter periods of time. The production of melatonin, a hormone, was also found to be less prolific in the subjects during these times of full moon. The scientists are not ascribing the connections they seem to have uncovered to any supernatural or mystic influence, nor to things affected by the moon, like, for example, ocean tides. What they do think is that there is a certain relationship between human beings and the full moon, much the same as there is in certain nocturnal creatures. They suggest that just as our bodies have been influenced by the sun in our daily routines, they write that there is also apparently an relationship with the monthly cycle of the moon as well. 
They say it is akin to having discovered a third hand to the body clock.
my, I thought when I read this report, from superstition and ignorance of years gone by when we believed that the moon made people irrational and we called them lunatics, or when we thought people turned into werewolves at a full moon, we have now arrived at the point where reputable men of science declare that they have seen a connection between us and the moon. Not superstition, based on scientific research and intelligent thought processes and careful observation. We are told that the Lord Jesus spoke and the worlds came into existence. He set the earth in space. He made the sun, the stars. Yes, the moon too. The sun to rule the day, the moon to rule the night. Read it again in the Bible. The wise creator saw everything that he had made and was pleased. It was good, he declared. Then he made man, placed him in the garden in charge of every one of those good things that he had made. The psalmist tells us that the heavenly bodies sing together the praises of the great creator God. I find it exciting to try and make connections between all these things. Why is it difficult to believe that we are interconnected and that all things work in harmony to accomplish the master plan of the creator? It really isn't difficult, is it?
And now here's our speaker, Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Thank you, Greg, and good morning. We thank you again for tuning into Echoes of Calvary. I have been studying the Bible for over 50 years now. I have sat at the feet of some of the most renowned biblical scholars of our day. I am the alumni of three of the major evangelical training institutions in the United States and perhaps the world. I have read hundreds of books on all the major and minor issues related to the Bible, the Church, and Christianity. I have heard some of the best preachers and teachers of the Word expound the Word of God. I myself have done some preaching and teaching in this area also. But now, looking back over it all, and when all is said and done, I am amazed at how little emphasis, at least until very recently, has been put upon what I now consider to be the very reason for the existence of man, especially the one who professes to be a born-again Christian. It is amazing to me how the evangelical church as a whole has missed out on this biblical emphasis and priority until very recently. In fact, we have had seminars and conferences on evangelism, missions, music, Sunday school, church administration, and you name it preaching, teaching, and all other kinds of conferences and seminars. But until very recently, we really, if ever, have had a seminar or conference on this subject with which I am concerned today. Yes, we use the word and even advertise that our services focus on it. But in reality, we really do, at least in the way the Bible clearly says and teaches that we should. And today, even though an emphasis is being placed upon it in connection with music and professional singing, upon close examination, we find that for the most part, it still falls far short of biblical validity. And that is my concern. Now, I realize that to many of you, these statements may appear to be exaggerated, arrogant, and even boastful. But I can assure you, they're not meant to be. In fact, they are said with much fear, trepidation, and sadness, because I believe that God himself is saddened over the situation. I am, of course, speaking of the subject of worship, and in particular, corporate worship. What we are supposed to be doing when we gather together on the Lord's Day as the people of God. Now, as I have said, we use the term. We call our services worship services. But do we really worship during these times? Is what we engage in as worship accepted by God as such? In fact, are we really qualified to worship when we say that we worship? These questions are essential for the Christian to answer correctly because of the severity of the consequences of engaging in false or hypocritical worship. And that is my concern. Listen to these chilling words that God speaks through the prophet Amos to a people who are going through all the right motions of worship, but yet their worship is rejected by God. Amos chapter 5, verse 21. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Translation at first. Hear the word of God. I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. 
and I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. End of quote. That's in the word of God. Listen now as I read the same passage as presented in the New Living Translation. God speaking through his prophet. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings or green offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your hymns of praise. They are only noise in my ears. I will not listen to your music, no matter how lovely it is. End of quote. Notice. These people were doing all the right things, they thought. They had the right offerings. They had great musicians and probably what we would call today a great praise team as well. They probably even had fun and enjoyed what they were doing. The people probably approved and accepted the music ministry. Why? It made them feel good. But amazingly, God didn't feel good about it. He did not approve it. He did not accept or like it at all. In fact, it made him sad, it made him angry, and it even made him sick. They were going through the motions of worshiping, but they were not doing it according to God's standards and purpose. And so their time was wasted as far as God was concerned, even though they might have felt good about it themselves and left the service explaining, wasn't that a great service? I really felt good. I really had fun. I'm sure God was pleased with our worship today. That was their evaluation, but it is clear it was not God's. Remember something. Right from the very dawning of man's history, God evaluated the sincerity and purity of our worship. Remember now, he rejected Cain's sacrifice because it was a false worship. It was not what he offered or how he offered it that was the problem, but rather that his heart was not right. In the first chapter of Romans, Paul wrote that God was justified in condemning man because he worshipped in error. Listen to his words again. Romans 1, verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They worship but they were worshiping in error. Satan himself was thrown from heaven because he sought worship for himself rather than submission to his creator. Friends, today Satan seeks those who will worship and serve him as well. In fact, Satan even tried to get Jesus himself to worship him when he tempted him. Remember his words as he offered the kingdoms of the world to our Savior? He said to him in Matthew 4, 9, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Friends, worship is a big thing to God. To him, it is vitally important. So important, in fact, above all else, that he himself actually seeks genuine worshipers. Yes, God is a seeking God, but he's seeking genuine worshipers. Jesus himself said this. Listen to his words in John 4, 23 as he spoke to the woman at the well. An hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be 
his worshippers. Who is the Father seeking? True worshippers who shall worship him in spirit and in truth. My friends, it is an amazing fact that the Bible never talks about a sinner seeking God. In fact, it teaches just the opposite, that there is no one who seeks God. No, not one. However, the Bible teaches and does so very forcibly and clearly that God himself seeks genuine worshipers. I am convinced more than ever before that for the most part, the people of God are not in fact meeting this criteria for acceptable worship, and therefore most of what we do is rejected by God. This has become the burden and thrust of my life and ministry to this date, to be and to teach others what it means to be a true worshiper of God. The Word of God tells us that God is seeking men and women to worship Him, but this worship must be worship that is in spirit and in truth. It is not enough to be a worshiper of God in action, but in heart and mind as well. God is seeking true worshipers, not merely or simply worshipers. And the most important thing that a believer can do is to please, honor, and glorify God by offering Him genuine worship, because that is the only kind of worship that is accepted by a holy God. Now, please listen very carefully to this statement. Genuine worship is the privilege and joy of believers in Jesus Christ only. I repeat, genuine worship is the privilege and joy of believers in Christ only. No one without a heart cleansed by the blood of Christ and a body indwelled by the Spirit of God can worship God in a way that pleases Him. But even Christians can still offer unacceptable worship. Now, we are going to expound this more fully in our next message. But as we close this morning, let me ask you, are you a true worshiper of the triune living God? Are you a genuine worshiper of God? As always, this is Senior Pastor Teacher Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon.
Come on. 